0: Welcome to the Inland Sessions podcast, recorded by KSPS-PBS in Spokane, Washington. Today, we're spending time with Jacob Roundtree, a singer-songwriter from Bozeman, Montana, who is joining us to play a short set and talk about his pathway to music.
1: Trouble That dress of red It's just the tone we knew. Damn, it looked good on you.
2: Uh, my name is Jacob Roundtree. I did grow up in Spokane, Washington, in the Valley, um, for almost 16 years. And then, as of late, I've been living over in Bozeman, Montana, which is a whole lot of fun. I am an alternative indie folk artist um, with a band based out of Bozeman that we get a tour. Um, We've been doing it full-time for almost three years now, which is a whole lot of fun. So I'm very excited to be back in my hometown with with, uh, the PBS.
0: Well, we're so excited to have you. Can you tell me a little bit about your background in music? What was music to you as a child and in your household?
2: Absolutely. My mom always was a very, I would say, talented music listener in the sense that she was always hunting for newer artists or more than just your traditional pop radio, whatever's given to you. She would go seek out new music herself. She was classically trained violin. Um, Never really did a whole lot with that. Um, Definitely never monetized it or anything, but grew up with the understanding and appreciation of it. And since a very young age, elementary school timeframe, she always offered um, lessons of any kind of whatever we'd ever want. So we had this really beautiful support system. Uh, My sister and I both actually started on classical piano And it was long enough ago that I don't know if I could tell you how long I was involved in that, but we just decided it was getting too busy in combination with sports and life and growing up. But my mom made sure to always leave the offer if there's a different instrument or um, other kinds of lessons you want to take, just approach me. So it was probably about fifth grade um, when I switched over to guitar, and it's been downhill or uphill ever ever since based <laughs> on how you want to look at it but
0: so music was encouraged in your home but what about when it came to the choice to pursue music as a career how did your mother feel about that how did yeah. your family feel about that
2: <laughs> that was a fun one both of my parents are very um traditional in the sense of minimal risk management or not management but they don't take a lot of risks they don't they like to play it very safe and stable and I'm grateful for growing up in that and and being educated with that mentality. Um, But I did pursue a four-year engineering degree over at Montana State, and clearly that was the stable route that I thought I would go, that I thought they wanted me to go. Um, But every time I would get jobs in that scene, I just felt every hour that I was working for someone else, I could have been doing more productive things for myself. And so I remember talking with my parents about what if I left this job behind and they were giving me the, the more wise um, advice of it's easier to get a job if you have a job, just hang on, hold out. And I just couldn't. And I, I made that decision to go to full-time music myself. And I think my mom was sending me jobs every single day that I could be applying to for a few months. Um, but I just I kept at it. I had absolutely no income but I was happier than I'd ever been. And so I knew I was really on to something. And um, a couple back and forths between full-time music and returning to jobs later, it's now been um, three years full-time music and about five years of music income as the primary. But uh, I think they're on board now. I think they see the the work ethic I have and and the ability to be self-employed. I think they also understand it more as a business rather than just a... A hobby or a passion. Um, so
0: I was going to ask how they see it now. Yeah, yeah,
2: I think I think I've won them over. My dad, definitely. My dad's an accountant. So he's very literal, very black and white. Um, and I think he's my biggest supporter because he would rather see me have a quality life of passion. And and even I think there's trust that if I fail, they'll they know that I can recover from it and keep going. So.
0: Were you already a songwriter when you um, started your four-year degree and decided to pursue mechanical engineering? Were you already writing your own music?
2: I was, but I don't think they were any good. I don't think at that point that's when I was sharing music, um, but I had started the process of – kind of writing some songs in my bedroom, Um, definitely at that point had played a couple coffee shop type performances or high school related performances, so my foot was in the door and into that transition of starting to share and become more original, but I do think it was mostly during my freshman year that I wrote my first album that is now out there to the world, uh, the Common, Common Hour. I wrote my freshman year of college, so up until then, I had been performing and playing and uh, obviously had the passion for it. Um, I had a couple pretty serious injuries in high school that kind of removed the ability to do all the extreme athletics that I enjoyed. And so all of that downtime around 18 years old forced me to kind of have music be more of a therapeutic outlet. And then it um, slowly, slowly became um, ways that I could find excitement and adrenaline through in its own way by new performances, bigger performances and or and original songwriting too, and sharing that amount of vulnerability out there.
0: So am I hearing right that you might have come to songwriting and performing music as the adrenaline rush?
2: Well, I actually was. through those injuries, I feel like I might've, um, lashed out a little bit as, as teenagers do, angsty teens do. And my dad was the one that gave me that advice where he would rather see me find ways to find that kind of adrenaline because I was a, a competitive park skier with the jumps and rails. And, um, definitely my entire childhood loved extreme sports and the faster, the better. And, um, but after a couple serious injuries, music seemed very stagnant compared to flailing through the air and hoping you land and, and that kind of mentality. And so I think there was this dramatic need to, to grow up and to take care of myself and to prioritize. And, and so my dad gave me the advice of how about you put yourself out there further with music and try and see if you can get that same excitement or adrenaline from it. Um, And I think that bit of advice is what transitioned me over from just playing in my bedroom um, for myself to actually trying to take some risks take some challenges and play bigger shows or open for bigger acts or whatever it might be.
0: So how did you discover music in that time period as kind of a language that really worked for you and finding your own language within music?
2: Yeah. um,
0: Like what did you dig into to find that?
2: So definitely, I have some influences, but I think my mom always listened to the more softer, introspective folk kind of music. Um, we very diverse listening throughout the house, but I think that was her main focus, and that was um, something that always really resonated with me. Um, so right around that time, being that I had um, ten months about of recovering a knee and a shoulder, um, it was a lot of time and solitude and just, uh, self-reflection and turning inward to heal. And so I think that genre of music matched the mental state that I was in. And it was mostly a therapeutic process, both physical, mental. And that's also when, you know, young kids are realizing we're all going to move other places and your friends aren't going to be your friends anymore or whatever. So there's just, it was such a period of turmoil that we all, it's coming to age type stuff. But, um, Yeah, so, I mean, influences such as Ben Harper, Ben Howard, um, Ray LaMontagne, I feel like it was kind of some of those classic folk where it was just very emotional music, very soulful music. Um, That all had been in my life and really resonated me with the time that I was at.
0: Well, I think uh, when most people think of maybe the adrenaline rush of performance, they might think of like the big rock show, right, where it's all sweat and yelling and energy uh, jumping around. Uh, But you came to it kind of from the quiet side and the folk side. And am I right in thinking that you found the thrill in kind of that self-revealment in public for people?
2: Absolutely. There is – I don't think I was ever in – overly emotional person or was ever one to even share, um, my emotions with my immediate family or anything like that. I was always a very, um, individual person that liked free time to process. And, um, so I did start to get some of that pride, I guess, and some of that achievement feeling coming from putting yourself out there with extreme vulnerability and then realizing it does connect with people. It does relate um so I, yeah it is it is kind of backwards because I do feel like wh- who I was as a kid you would expect me to be a head banging rock and roll kind of blues kid or something but I do really enjoy the intellect of um this genre what it has to offer being that it's more poetic based it's not literal um but it's very um it's very self reflective it's very in tune you have to be in tune with yourself to to relate to these kinds of songs and um, being that vulnerable is something that I feel like has really developed me. And it's it's uh, it's not as common as I would like to see, especially in men. And so I think it is pretty cool to, to find ways metaphorically to express myself and be able to relate and connect with other people, even if they're taking those metaphors in their own ways. It's very beautiful just to have that connection and to be that vulnerable and have it work out.
0: Um, what about when it comes to... Going from a solo act to playing with a band, so the process of finding your band, but also maybe the way it impacts your music and your songwriting, to be playing with a band.
2: That's been a really fun journey. Being that started solo and have returned back to solo, even after a few different versions of bands, um, I, I mean, not only has been playing with a, a rhythm section dramatically improved my musicality. Um, But even getting over the, I don't know if it's stubbornness or ego, but um, when when it's you writing lyrics, you writing music, um, and then you have to start sharing that with someone, and they put their own spin on it. And that is the beauty of working with other people. Just going through that process. And and again, it's another stage of being vulnerable. Like, here are my lyrics. Here's what I wrote. Do you like it enough to even play it and and to have some loyalty with this project? And so that's been a really fun journey, and I feel like it's made me all around just better with music because it's it's now taking other people's influences or skill sets, and I can educate myself from them or or be more open-minded now from taking multiple sources of collaboration points in, um, and then also I think playing with the band just makes it much more lively, and um, I can by myself sing some nice soulful songs that people might just sway to or something like that but you get a really solid rhythm section behind you and we can actually get a a pretty good acoustic rock kind of sound going on so i think it can translate to your summertime festival type situation better because you can't demand everyone immediate i need your patience to listen to every single word i say even though that's my main passion of my project Um, I can't demand that attention from everyone all the time. And so just having the backbone of rhythm that everyone can start to dance to and connect with, and then maybe they listen to it a couple times and then they can see that the work that I put into the lyrics or whatever. So it's been a really fun journey just sharing and collaborating with multiple versions of of a trio quartet that we've been have going on. because you can at a very surface level just say here are the words here's the timing here's the math of the music just perform it but once you start traveling with people more or just playing with them more or once people get the fundamentals down and they want to start putting their own expressions onto the song I feel like that's when you do start having to emotionally connect yourself to the song so then you have to might start explaining your lyrics or who you were at that time or whatever it might be and so it's it is kind of like choosing a little family and deciding to be open with the family and just keep carrying on. But you also have to pay each other and have finances between you. And so it's, it's a very unique dynamic of friends and family, but I'm, I'm very grateful for it.
0: Well, speaking of all this playing, I'm wondering if maybe you'd uh, bring out the guitar and give us a, a taste of what we're talking about today.
2: I would love that. So That'd be
0: amazing. I
2: actually have a couple of brand new songs.
0: Ooh, that's just that what we love. That I feel like love.
2: is a good way to do this. So I just released um, First Avenue. It's fresh off the press. Fresh off the press. So I will play this one, a nice solo version of it.
1: Happy was you, happy was me Distance you place to flirt with free Surely the snow will cover your tracks All your black letters will watch your back Happy was you, happy was me As you go tearing down the street Happy was me, happy is you I took a wrong turn down First Avenue Surely the snow shall cover my tracks All those black letters just hold me back Happy was me, happy is you I took the long waiting Happy is me, happy is you We did work it through and through Surely the snow shall cover our tracks All those black letters are in the past All those black letters are in the past Happy is me, happy is you I belong here, so do you. I belong here, so do you. Woo! <laughs> thank you, thank you.
0: Beautiful.
2: Should we play a second song right now while it's out?
0: Would that be okay?
2: Of course. Um, so this song is a special one. It is currently unrecorded. Um, and I actually just got news that I'm going to work with Ben Howard's drummer Ooh. on this song. So he's a, a large influence of mine, and I'm very excited to have that collaboration on the works. Um, so I have a little, little demo recorded right now is all, but definitely it's um, young in the production phase.
0: Thank you for bringing it to us.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. I think this is a, it's a fun transition of, of the type of songwriting I've been entering. This song is called Truth or Dare.
1: Goes Seeker who is sought, buyer who's been born won't you dream with me? Cause we can dare to dream. Vision of simplicity Return the mind wild and free Won't you How much can we gain from what we've lost Though times will be tough, all or not Seeker who is sought Buyer who's been bought won't you dream in me? Because we can dare to dream visions of simplicity, return the home. Won't you dare to dream? The truth is, I it seems, but we can dare to dream, won't you dream in me?
0: Thank you. Is it possible you could tell me the story or replay the moment where you really did decide to go off and pursue music despite having this stable career that has some status to it, that's making your parents happy, that's making your family happy, and deciding to, um, you know, not make them unhappy, but make them question you a little <laughs> bit and maybe question yourself?
2: So I graduated mechanical engineering and all of Gibson guitars are actually built in Bozeman. And so the Gibson acoustic factory, or acoustic guitars rather, are built in Bozeman. Um, and so I, my entire capstone project was doing vibrational analysis for Gibson. I figured it'd be the best of both worlds. Um, engineering with acoustic guitars, maybe you get some free guitars, and then I also get to be a musician. Um, Three weeks in, I don't want to talk down about the company publicly or anything, but they were going through a bankrupt period, a period of bankruptcy and and having some management changeovers. And and at the time, um, there was just some chaos going on that didn't make it a great work environment for me. I've heard everything is repaired and resolved, and it's wonderful now. Um, But I just, I think I also, part of that was also, I had my expectations set maybe a little too high where I figured I could be an engineer right now and I can get. Everything I want right now between the two worlds of of you know the science and the music. Um, I think I lasted about three weeks there um, just because the engineers kept talking about a ten year plan when I didn't really want to be in a factory floor for 10 years, just to do what I went to college for. Um, so the the timelines were opposite of what I had hoped they would be. Um, some of the individuals were, we're ready to retire, and I think they since have, um, but it was it was just a very unhealthy at the time work environment for me, and so I just sat there and I was programming all the robots that would make the Nex, and which honestly is a very cool job to have, but it just that factory environment was the whole reason I went to school in hopes of not having to be the labor side of that. And it just didn't seem, I didn't see any future, any hope in that. Um, so I was sitting there just with my skin kind of crawling every single day because I'm sitting here doing very repetitive factory line type work. It was so not mentally stimulating, thinking I was going to be an engineer. Um, and I just kept thinking about music and uh, I could be I could be releasing music, I could be recording, I could be writing lyrics were running through my head and I just but I couldn't even slow down at the job enough to write them down or anything and so yeah, I, I reached out to my parents for some advice and they their advice was to just hold on and maybe start looking for an alternative and I think the very next day I just I couldn't hold on anymore and so I I made the decision to put that job behind me. I think when I first started full-time music, I was making somewhere between 200 and 2000 a month, I don't even know. And so it was just absolutely no stability. I could afford celery and peanut butter for six months. Um, but I knew I was really happy, um, I knew it was what I wanted, and it started to make sense. Um, I also realized I had a lot of free time on my hands, I played a lot of disc golf, and was not using my time as wisely as I now do. Um, it was also very interesting being the only one in my immediate friend group or in my band to be doing full-time music because now I was just free by myself during the day, all day, and didn't have to work until 7 p.m. or whatever. And, um, and they were doing both jobs all the time. And so it was also kind of lonely, but also very exciting. So I think I did about 10 months of full-time music. And then I ended up returning to the material science world did some startup engineering work, which being in the startup company was very educational because I got to learn about financing a company, investor relations. And and I think that um, also that lined up with COVID and the cancellation of live music. So I'm very lucky to have had that during that time. Um, but then that really educated me and stimulated me to go back to self-employment, but this time treating it as a business and really thinking it as that and trying to dedicate more or less a nine to five kind of work hour day, but to myself and to my project. And so it's been almost five years now between a little bit of that startup company and now um, where music has been paying most of the bills and um, I could actually see analytics growing and it's very predictable and it's it's right on track with goals that I'm setting for myself. and So it's it's taken maybe six years to find the stability that I now have, but um,
0: we finally reached it is it possible you would play the oldest song in your repertoire that you still play?
2: Well, I'm thinking here. <laughs> there's, there's a couple songs that might be the way to go. Um, Lullaby of ending.
1: Fire,
0: forcing
1: their whole to retire. I know these bones will carry me. to break
2: I think I sang all the words to that song. We'll see <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, that's so nice to have kind of this. We have a, you played for us a song that's not yet recorded. That's kind of a brand new song, as well as uh, one of your oldies and goodies. As a, as a last hurrah, could you tell people how to find you online and how they can support you and your music? Thank you
2: for having me. Um, If anyone is looking to discover me, um, my last name is Roundtree without a D in it. Um, I feel like if you Googled Roundtree the way you think it would sell, I would still probably come up. But um, JacobRoundtree.com is my own website where is a good homepage to then connect to all sorts of streaming or socials from there. Um, fairly active on Facebook and Instagram, which I believe are both just at Jacob Roundtree, potentially Jacob Roundtree Music. Um, YouTube is Jacob Roundtree Music, and the band and I have been working on a good amount of content out there, so do check out the YouTube. Um, yeah, and obviously all sorts of streaming websites, um, your Spotify, your Apple Music, iTunes. Um, you can stream a couple albums and a few singles, and I'm working on quite a bit more right now. So stay in touch, and I'll give you some more more goods in the near future.
0: Jacob Browntree, thank you so much for joining us here on Inland Sessions at thank KSPS-PBS. You. you are listening to a KSPS-PBS production recorded in Spokane, Washington. For more information about Inland Sessions, or to watch back episodes, or if you would like to learn how you can personally support arts, education, civic health, and building community through locally produced public television, please visit ksps.org.